It's good to see you guys here. Uh, hey, I need to send a message to you. Message coming from Cala, uh, not California, Alabama. Steve, our, our normal uh, worship guy, Steve is cutting his album this week, and he'll be coming back on Tuesday, so be praying for him. If you haven't connected to him online, I think through Facebook, you'll see some of the stuff that he's doing. I'm excited uh, when he brings it back, because he has to bring it back, and he's going to bring it, and when he brings it, it's, he's going to bring it back. So uh, anyway, it's going to be exciting, so he's going to be coming back uh, next week, and Brad, thank you for leading us uh, and uh, using your gifts. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We can do a little bit of that. Hey, again, it's good to see you guys here. We've been walking through this series called uh, Everyday Mission. You know, I have to be reminded, even as a pastor, that uh, mission isn't something you just sign up for. You know, it's not something you can turn off. Rather, that every single day, the neighbors around me, the people that I encounter, they're people that God wants to love through me. You know, I think to do that, what I find in my own life is I've got to daily surrender myself to God. I don't know if you feel that way, but so often uh, my typical attitude and my behaviors are not God-honoring. They're kind of Jason-honoring. And so each day, I think when we recognize that we're on mission and we're to reflect God's character instead of just what I want, it really plays, takes us to a place of humility and submission. And so through this whole series, we've been talking about this everyday mission. And it really begins with a message. And that message is the gospel message. And we talked about the gospel message using these questions, that the gospel answers the question, who is God and what has God done? Really, the good news of the Bible is this is God. You know, many people that uh, heard that message from Jesus worship pagan gods. They worshiped a, a plurality of gods, and these were some pretty wicked gods, gods that demanded a lot from you, gods that would only hear you if you did the right things in the right way, unless you sacrificed the right things, even sacrificing human beings. And then Jesus shows up and shows an element of God that got him crucified. Because realize, the reason he was crucified is the God that Jesus presented to the Jews was a picture of God that they could not accept. And so Jesus was crucified on the cross really as a coronation, as a celebration in the sense that he was coming to the throne and the true nature of who God is is displayed on the cross and all the values of the world now are turned upside down. And so today what we're doing is we're taking these ideas of who is God and what has he done and we're really asking the question, who are we? You know, based on what God has done, my identity has changed. Now, what I find is in the Christian life, we're often living out of our doing instead of who we are. We're often living out, hey, I'm only good if I do it right. I'm only good if I'm not struggling with temptation. I'm only good if, if I'm really making an impact in the lives of others. But see, God calls us good before you do good. And that's good. God calls us good before we do good, and that's good. See, God is always calling us uh, and telling us who we are before we do things. And today what we're looking at is this idea of our identity. And in the baptism and we had this morning, and I wish we were able to do that again today, but you can't baptize twice, so it didn't work out. But if, if God is calling you to be baptized, uh, please speak to us. Uh, we're going to be doing another baptism service on November Second, I think it is, first Sunday in November. And so uh, it's right back there. It's, it's heated. It's nice. Bubbles, everything. 
Uh, it's, it's great. So please let us know. We'd love to sit down with you and talk to you about that. But see, when we're baptized, we're baptized, as Jesus said, into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because in our baptism, it's a naming ceremony. What God is saying is your identity has changed. Now, if God is our Father, what does that make us? Family, children, right? We are the family of God, not because we chose to be. See, that's the thing. You don't choose your family, right? Well, when you come to faith in Jesus, God puts people around you that you may not have chosen to love. But in depending on him, he wants to love those people around us uh, through our faith in him. So we are the family of God. Now, if we're family, that means we're supposed to love each other. Now, here's where I get caught up. I get caught up in the love each other part, and it's not working sometimes because sometimes sheep bite. Sometimes people don't, you notice this? They don't appreciate how you love them. You know, you think you're doing some good, you think you're really loving somebody, and, and they're not showing the kind of response that you want. But, you know, the, the idea is we don't love according to what we're able to do. We love according to what Jesus gave us. And we're always running back to what Jesus gave us, not looking at, hey, what do I need to do? But let's look at who God is. And so today in 1 John, we're going to go through a passage in 1 John chapter 2. If you want to grab a Bible, there's some uh, down below. You can grab one of those. I think it's page like 1021, something like that. 1 John chapter 2. John is describing the people of God as the family of God. And in a family, you have children, you've got those that are kind of in the middle years, they're called adolescents, I guess. And then, then you've got those who are parents or those who are mature. And what John is going to do is something interesting. He's going to talk about maturity, not according to age, but you've got to hear me, but according to stage. See, physical maturity is always according to age. Now, just because you've matured in age doesn't mean you've matured. Some of us understand that. But Spiritual maturity is according to our stage. And so when we jump into 1 John chapter 2, what he's describing, though it sounds like it's age, he's talking about stages of spiritual growth. And in each stage, there's one thing in particular we're supposed to grasp. Now, it's something we're always constantly grasping, but when we grasp it, it enables us to mature in the Christian life. So to the extent that if we don't grasp what that point is, maybe that's the reason why we're not maturing today. And so let's jump in, 1 John chapter 2, and pick it up in verse 12, verse 12 through 14. 1 John, the word of the Lord. I'm writing to you, little children, and notice he says, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. Hey, let me pray. Father, I ask that your word that is alive and active would... Today, in the space that we've set aside, Lord, in the silence of this room, through the power of the Spirit, would you give us the ears to hear? Holy Spirit, would you teach us and allow the Word to become a power in our life that, in one way, Father, helps us to see you better, to know who you are, 
And then, Lord, to surrender and say, Lord, I I want all of you. And so teach us this morning, Father, guide us in the way of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So growing up, my parents would say, usually my dad, usually in high school, I think it got worse. But my dad would say to me, uh, when you go out that door, you go out a freeman. That's my last name, you didn't know. Meaning that whatever you do out there, it's going to reflect on us. And so reflect us well. Now, I didn't do that well. I didn't reflect the name well. But when we go out as Christians, even if people don't know that we are Christians, we go out in God's name. And we go out to reflect who God is. Not our desires, but his desires. Not our message the message I'd like to communicate to you, but God's message, not according to our power and strength, but his power and strength. And so as we go through this passage, he's addressing children, young men, and fathers. Now, starting with children, we usually think of children as young, and obviously they are, but in a spiritual sense, it's describing those who are young in the faith. And what's amazing is what John addresses for a child, I think, is something I see in my own kids. That what he says is essential for spiritual growth. It's not different really than just relational growth. Because what he describes, if you notice in verse 12, he writes to children and he says, Children, there's one thing that's incredibly essential for you to grasp. And if you do not get this, you're not going to mature to the next stage. And notice what he says. I write to you, children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. One of the questions I think a child needs to ask, and and maybe you've asked this question and it hasn't been answered rightly. The question a child asks is, am I accepted? Am I acceptable? I mean, how many of you uh, kind of chased that answer throughout life? You chase a little girl, you chase a little boy, you chase money, you chase a job. Am I acceptable? Do I have what it takes? Am I significant? And the second question that a child often answers is, how do I relate with my father? Some of us have father issues, mother issues, relationship problems. Because a child's trying to figure out where they are. Do, Do I belong? Am I accepted? And then how do I relate to the father? Well, you know, what's true of a child and what you went through, and maybe that's why you had broken relationships. Because you you never answered that question: Am I accepted? And so you ran after things. You tried to prove I'm acceptable by what I do. Hey, I'm attractive enough. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. And so you based everything in your relationships on your performance, which really wears you out. And when you base your love towards somebody on their performance, they're going to fail. And your relationships begin to crumble. But he's saying in verse 1, do you know that you're accepted? Now the question is, why are we accepted by God? And so he's answering that in verse 12. And you may think, as it says uh, in verse 12, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Now, you may think the answer to why I'm accepted is that my sins are forgiven. And yet, how many of us know our sins are forgiven, but we do not feel accepted? You can know you're forgiven by God and yet not experience the security and the acceptance of God. Because see, forgiveness of sins is a byproduct of this second, the end of the verse where he says, your sins are forgiven, why? For his namesake, meaning according to his name, or as some translations capture it, 
We're forgiven on account of the name of Jesus. Now, when you say on account of the name of Jesus, it means on account of who Jesus is and everything that he has done. That when it comes to our forgiveness, we're not pulling out of a well that can run dry. We're not pulling out of a well that's based on my performance. Thankfully, when it comes to forgiveness, you're going to the account in which is the wealth of Jesus. Now, when we go to our accounts, and you take a withdrawal, you're drawing on the value of that account. Or when you place money into a bank account, you're adding money to the value of that account. Well, imagine the value of Jesus' account. When the Father looks at us, he doesn't go to our bank account. He doesn't drop our PIN number. Rather, he looks into the account in which the name of Jesus is placed. And my forgiveness, it's limitless. It's unending because I'm accepted as a child of God. You see, I'm not accepted, listen, because I'm getting it right or because I'm up here or because I went to seminary. None of that matters to the Father. The only thing that matters is that I have trusted and believed in his son, Jesus Christ, that his life, his death, his resurrection covers me. And because of that, I can always turn and say, Abba, Father. You know what? Often we don't do that, though. The times that we turn to Abba, Father, are on the good days, right? Can we admit that? Sometimes. You know, when it's bad, when we really messed up, we're really in a fight with our spouse or things have gone, you know, kind of fallen apart or maybe we've been rejected, we're not getting the job that we want, things aren't working out, our health isn't working out. Often, sometimes when things are bad and we really mess things up, that's when we tend to run from God. You know, maybe you're here today because you're running stopped. But when things are bad, we run from God. You know what this is saying? You don't believe you're accepted by God. See, when we run from God on the bad days, it means we don't understand who God is on the good days. Why are we accepted? Because of what Christ has done and what Christ has done alone. You know, the book of Ephesians starts off and says, we are holy and blameless in his sight. I'm always mystified by that because my life does not look holy and blameless. You know, so often I see my blame. I see what I've contributed. And when I see what I've contributed, I don't want to bring that to the Father. Often I don't want to bring it into his presence because I think, hey, if I bring it into his presence, he's going to condemn me. He's going to reject me. But what John is saying, the first thing a child has to know is we always run to the Father, whether days are good or days are bad, because our acceptance with the Father is based on the security of the Son. And the only way we could lose the Father is if the Father lost Jesus. We are accepted on account of his name. That changes everything. Because now I've got a secure relationship with my eternal creator and father who has loved me to the degree that he has sent his son, Jesus Christ. You know what? Uh, when a church becomes prideful, when you meet a Christian and he's arrogant, and you know something smells wrong. Something smells wrong with that. You come into a church and it's very uh, self-righteous and condemning. Always got a word to say about another group or someone else. I've got, I've got to share something with you. These are children. Pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, it's a sign you do not believe you're accepted through faith in Jesus Christ. Because if you believe you're accepted by Christ and Christ alone, there's no room for pride. Because what you added to the, your acceptance was sin. You forced Jesus, or Jesus willingly went to the cross for our sin, which means it humbles us that Christ was willing to die for me. Or 
On the other hand, if we don't just see pride, but we see fear, we see a insecurity, a self-hatred, that's also a disbelief that I'm accepted because of what Christ has done. Because listen, if he's willing to sacrifice his son, if he was willing to go to that extent, to come to earth, to die for us, to incarnate, to become a man, and yet suffer the things that he did, if he who did not spare his own son, why would he not cover all things? See, fear, pride, those are the things that children run with, right? I mean, those are the things that children kind of walk in and like, hey, look at me, look at what I've done. And then they fail, and what happens? Their emotions, their attitudes, they go and hide. I know when my kids were literal, they got in trouble. You know, I'd find one of them under the bed. You know why? Because they didn't know their father. See, the second idea after why am I accepted, the question becomes, who is God? And notice to, to children, he answers both of these questions. He says, on the one hand, you're forgiven on account of his name. But then he says, I write to you, children, because... You know the Father. He's celebrating with children and saying, your sins are forgiven, and yet you know the Father. So from children to the mature, the Father is always central. That a child needs to understand how to relate to God. And that's why when Jesus came, he taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the prayer to the Father, that Jesus came to reveal the heart of God, his Father. And how did he do that? Through parables like the story of the lost son, a father that's waiting for us, that even though we've run and and wasted life, he's still on the front porch. And when he sees us, he's so passionate for us to clean us up that he runs to us, throws his robe around us, puts the ring of his identity on our finger and brings us home and we, he kills the fattened calf. That's the depths of God's love. See, a child needs to understand, how do I relate to God? Jesus came to show us the heart of our Father. Now, for many of us, I think we struggle with these things. Am I really accepted? The place I think we need to turn to is our behavior. You know you're accepted when it's a bad day and it's a good day and you're running to the Father because God is that good. And you know you're accepted because it doesn't matter how you come. You just come. When you're a child, it doesn't matter what time it is. You run to Dad. My kids show up at 4 a.m. I'm not up at 4 a.m. When my kids are thirsty, they know how to go get a drink. But who do they come ask? Hey, Dad. You get that little knock-knock? Remember that? It's 2 in the morning, guys, but I'm thirsty. Why do they do that? Because a child has this, this idea that the father's going to respond. When did we lose that? I can't bring that to him. It's 4 in the morning. I messed up. I wet the bed. You look at your life and you look at all the sin and the stuff and we don't bring it to the Father. Why? Because we haven't laid the foundation of what it means to be a child. To know that we are fully accepted by the Father, that we have access to the Father through Jesus by one spirit. Hey, are we walking as children? Some of us in our stage of spiritual growth, that may be where we are. We're learning this relationship with God. Well, listen, for the rest of us, 
It's something we're constantly going to, but it's something we have to invest into each other to remind one another in life that when things get bad, we need to start saying, hey, you're accepted because of what Christ has done. Because a lot of us don't want to share our shame. Why? Because we're still living as children. If you thought you were accepted and the Father loved you and he had given you the Spirit, there's no shame in telling people how you failed. Because in telling them how you failed, you're going to get more of the Father. And what do I want? I don't want your approval. I want, God's, I want to experience God's presence and his healing. See, a child is constantly asking, am I accepted? And do I know the Father? Have you answered those questions? Because if you have, the second stage of life, he calls young men, young women. And notice the way he describes someone at that stage in life. And he says, let me find it here. He writes to young men and young women, and he says to them in verse 14, I write to you, young men, and notice the language. I love this, because you're strong. Now, how many of you, when you were young, felt strong? I mean, you do feel physically strong, but there's a lot of things in life that you know you're not ready for. I know when I, I tell my kids when they were little, hey, you're strong, you know what they would do? They'd do one of these, right? Yeah, that's who I am. My father thinks I'm strong. Now, they have no idea how weak they are. I mean, I let them out the door for like an hour, and right? What's going to come back? It's probably an emergency bill. Because that's what a kid is. They think they're capable. And what God is saying to us is you're strong, and yet, on the one hand, he knows how weak we are, but notice why we are strong. You're not strong in yourself. You're strong because of who God is. The word of God abides in you. Why are we strong? Because the word of God abides in you. And notice the result. You have overcome the evil one. We're not strong because of who we are. Here's the truth of the gospel. We're strong because of who he is. And the reason we're strong, no matter how weak we are, is because of what he's accomplished. That on the cross, Jesus defeated sin. It's dead. We got to stop raising it back up. We got to stop giving power to things that are dead in our life. So what's he saying? The reason we're strong is because we have something in us, meaning from the Father, we have the spirit of truth. What you'll find through the New Testament is the word of God and the spirit of God often travel together. Now, they're not the same thing, but the Spirit of God uses the Word of God. So you'll see verses that say you've been born again by the power of the Spirit. Then you'll see another verse that says you've been born again by the imperishable Word of God because the Spirit of God and the Word of God are always traveling together. The Spirit of God is using the Word of God as a power in our life to do what? To enable us to overcome. And I think that's where we are when we're in that phase of life. We're looking for hope. We're looking because we're dealing with something that's new. We're going through a new kind of struggle. And what we're turning to is we're saying, you know, I just, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to overcome. And we're looking for a source of hope. And the hope that God gives us is you can't, but I can, and I'm in you. Because see, if the Christian life is you can, it's going to be failure. I tried that for a long time. As a pastor, I tried to do it all on my own strength. And every Monday, I... I I'd wake up and say, I'm going to quit. I can't do this. But that's when the Holy Spirit said, you're right. Finally, you've finally woken up. Apart from me, Jason, you can't do anything. But with me, you're strong. Do you believe that? Let me ask you, what are you trying to do in your own strength that only he can accomplish? 
How often do I look at my kids and I'm like, why did you not ask me? <laughs> we, we could have saved a lot of trouble here, boys, if you had just come to me and known my heart for you and know that if I'm with you, you're strong. If I'm with you, you're wise. If I'm with you, there's a path that's going to lead to life. See, so often what's happening, even as in that stage of life, is we continue to rely on ourselves. We continue to rely on ourselves instead of trusting in the one who has made us strong. You know, in John chapter uh, 2, verse 15, just at the bottom of this verse, John writes these words. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, why does he say that? Verse 16 For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, listen, it's not from the Father, meaning it's not going to last. It's not going to satisfy. It's from the world. But the world and its desires are passing away. How do we resist the desires of the eyes? I mean, there's a lot of things I see, and they look nice. They look nice. And you look at them, and you say, hey, there's, that's something. I'd like to have that. Or the desires of the flesh. I mean, how often do the cravings of the body, the cravings of life, they're compelling, they're powerful, they're strong. The pride of life. Think how powerful the pride of life is. How many wars, death, or even good things have been started out of pride. And yet God's power is greater than the desires in my life. Listen, i got to tell you this, this story. When I was a young man, I thought my lust couldn't be turned off. I used to blame. I was like, well, God created me this way. I can just, you know, it's there. And then I had somebody disciple me, and he had some wisdom. And he said, imagine you're with this, this young girl, and her father walks in. Where did that desire go? Are you with me on that? You're with this, and her father just walked in the door. I'll tell you, that desire is dead because something stronger than you just showed up. Jason, why are you trying to trust in yourself to overcome a desire that God can only overcome? I went, duh. Yeah, that makes sense. But let me ask you, you're no longer 14, 15. What, why are you trying in your own power to overcome something that only God can overcome? We're accepted on the basis of the Father. The power that's in us is the power of Christ. But we need to stop looking just at what we do and start turning back to what he's done. And recognizing that when we're depending on him, God does more than we could possibly imagine. That God's strength is greater. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, 10% of his words were scripture. And yet, you know when those 10% words showed up? When he was suffering or when he was tempted? On the cross and in his temptation. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Scripture says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When Jesus was under pressure, he bled Scripture. How did Jesus overcome? You may say, well, because he was Jesus. I mean, he had the answers to the test. Now, Jesus overcame by the same thing we overcome with, the Word and the Spirit. He had this exact same resources, and he overcame because of the power that dwelt in him. And so Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, Verse 5, you want to turn there, it'll be up on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. He says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked 
when you were living in them. But now, notice he says you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have, notice, put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed after the image of his, its creator. God is renewing us by his power. Why do we put those things off? Because that's who we are. We are a new creation in Christ, and God is renewing us. You know what a young man needs, young woman needs that's trying to overcome? You need community. I gotta tell you, I failed on that probably the first 25 years of my Christian faith all the way into being a pastor. I had a temptation and an addiction I couldn't break. But see, I thought if I told someone, they'd think I was a bad Christian. Well, I was a bad Christian. But see, I was more concerned about the rejection of others than experiencing the power of God. How stupid is that? I mean, it seemed seemed to make sense to me when I was a young man. Hey, I can't tell somebody what I'm going through. But you know what? All that did was allow me to continue to walk in a spirit of slavery. Because you know, I kept telling myself every time I prayed, I got to overcome this. I got to overcome this. I got to overcome this. And God's constantly saying, Jason, without people in your life that are pointing you to me, you're not going to overcome this. You know what young, growing Christians need? What all of us need? We need community. But what happens? We don't share people with people what's really going on. You know, you get, you get a couple in the, in the small group, right? And you're talking, you're hanging out. They're talking about their marriage. And you, oh, it's great. It got, it's great. It's going great. Wonderful. And you're looking at her going, something's going on here. That's not the full story of what's, why do we have this need to present something that's not true? Because we're constantly living. This is who I am. I am what I do. What if we turn those things around and said, you know, like Paul said, I want to know Christ. That's what I want in life. If that's your passion and desire, you're going to share in a safe place with the right people. This is what's going on in my life so that the power of Christ may work through me. Hey, that's where we are. But you know the last stage? We need community, and that's one thing you can get connected to. You know, we have Bible study fellowship on uh, Monday night for the men and on Friday morning, I think it is, for the women. We've got growth groups, and Walt's here. There he is. Hey, Walt, how you doing? Good to see you. Uh, Walt's going to be leading a a growth group training. Connect to Walt and find out about the groups that are involved here. But there's another resource that I think is the most untapped resource in the church, and it's this next category. And it's called Fathers and Mothers. And notice how he describes a father. I write to you, and he says the same thing twice. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. See, what does a father have? A father's got a story and a testimony. This is how I came to know my father. This is how I came to know the father's love. What does a father have? He's got a story of what it was like to be a child. He's got a story of the ways he messed up. And he wants to pass that story on to his children. And you know what else a father has? He's got a story of how he overcame. He's got a story of the struggles and the sins that he battled and continues to battle. You know what a father has? A father has a testimony of God's power in his life. That's amazing. But you know what makes a father a father? He has to have have children. 
who you share in your testimony with. And by children, I'm not referring to physical flesh. One of the breakdowns in the church is we have defined maturity according to knowledge. God forgive us. We should redefine maturity according to children. How many kids do you have? How many young men are coming to you because you're okay talking about the struggles that you've had and how you turn those struggles to Christ? Not because you did it perfect. Listen, that's not my testimony. It's not because you did it perfect, but because you want that child to have the best life possible because that's what we want for our kids. We want them to have the best life. Well, spiritually, what does that look like, church? The deficiency in the church is we don't grow up. I just want to be an adolescent. Maturity is investing into the lives of others. You know why we stop growing in maturity? See, a young man's constantly in the word. They know they need the word because they know the things they're facing in life, they don't have the power to overcome. But what that young man needs is a father who can give him hope. A father who can say, I've been there. I know what that's like. This is how God brought me out. You know what that's called? That's called freedom right there. I can't tell you how often in my own life I struggled. I never felt like I was good enough, never felt like I had what it takes. But when someone who's been through that has walked through that and said, God the Father showed up in my life and this is what he did. You know what that does is it breeds faith and hope. Now, not faith and hope that my life's going to be like yours, but faith and hope in the God that you worship. See, if we're at that stage, listen, if we think we're mature, that means that we're in the Word because, young men, the Word of God abides in you. It means that you're getting into Scripture, right? You find passion in that. The only thing that's missing is sharing what God's teaching you with others. Now, let me make it real simple. How do you do that? Well, you buy somebody lunch. You watch their kids. You take care of somebody's needs. See, one of the things that fathers usually have are time and some resources. And God the Father has given these resources of knowledge and strength to us so that we can be creative, so that we might grow the body of Christ. And you take that young man, that young woman, who's right now, I tell you, is struggling, and looking around thinking everybody else got it together except for me. Right now in this moment, they feel absolutely alone because fathers and mothers will not parent the children in the church. So what does it look like? Real simple. When you take them out to lunch, you pay, all right? You got to pay. Come on, you got to pay. You got to take care of that child. But beyond that, you ask them, hey, what's God teaching you? And often a child's going to say, well, nothing. And you go, oh, good, because I want to share with you what God's teaching me. I want to let you know how the Spirit of God is showing me the goodness of the Father. And I want you to experience with me the Father who has poured out his life for us. You want to change a life? It's already in you. But you've got to be willing by faith. And I'm speaking to the mature among us because there are those around you that need you. It's called discipleship. And all it is is taking another person and saying, this is what God's done in my life. You know why we don't do that? Because we don't want to trust the Father. We don't want to trust him. Because to do that puts me in a place of weakness. And where I am weak, there he is strong. 
Church, what we need, what this community needs is just for us to live out the faith that God has called us to live, to invest into others what God has invested into us. And no matter what stage you're at, and maybe, you're, you know, in, in age you're mature, but in stage you're immature. And that's okay. There's grace here for immaturity. But there's not grace for a lack of growth. God loves us where we are, but he's not going to keep us the same. And at Bergen Park Church, we need to be a kind of community that's willing with such great passion and love to love each one of us towards Jesus. You with me? Hey, this is something God wants to do. It's his plan. It's not my plan. It's not my plan. But when we ask him to do it through us, he'll accomplish it. One thing I want, you, I want to ask you to pray. If you know you're in that category that God's taught you, you've overcome, you've walked with him, and maybe your love for him has run cold. Maybe that's the reason you don't invest is you don't share that passion. Ask him to renew that passion. Ask him to renew that passion. Father, I want to run to you again like a child because we never outgrow that. You know, if my dad shows up now, my eyes would be filled with tears because I want to run to him. That doesn't change. It shouldn't change in the church either. When we lose that, we've lost the power of the gospel. We should have that kind of passion. So I want to ask you to pray, Lord, is there somebody I need to be investing into? Would you hold on to that question and don't give up on it? Listen, that widow came back to that judge over and over and over again. You go to the Father and you plead, Father, who is it I need to invest into? And when you get together with him, remember the question, what's God teaching you? Oh, nothing? Okay, here's what God's teaching me. That's all it is. And then be willing to love them where they are so they can grow up to be the man, the woman that God's called them to be. We can do this with God's help. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the simplicity of the Christian life. Forgive people like me, Father, pastors who make it too complex. Uh, Lord, forgive us that we, like the church in, in Revelation, our love has, has grown cold. We've stopped being a child in your presence. Father, we've, we've stopped being overwhelmed with the, the love that you've poured out. Father, we've, we've covered our shame with so much in life that that we don't see our guilt even today and so that we can't experience your renewal and cleansing. And so, Father, I want to ask for us at Bergen Park Church, for the churches in this community, that you would revive in us, Lord, the heart of a father for a child and the heart of a mother, that we want to teach those that are young to feed on solid food and to allow that food to feed others. And so, Father, would you cast a vision for us and would you show us Lord Jesus, someone that we need to invest into, someone that you've already placed on our heart. And Lord, would we pursue them with the kind of radical grace with which you chased after us? Thank you, Father, that you didn't give up. Instead, you went to the cross. Help us, Lord, to lay down our life for others. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we respond in worship.